Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! <laughs> Again, my beautiful screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets bent. This is episode 149, and while things didn't go as planned for the birthday show, we got a great episode lined up for you. Sadly, the internet gods decided the slashing. We're not talking about this week. It just would the file corrupted. Sorry, guys. So I bumped it to the next episode. But instead, we've got the Friday the 13th Spectacular. And this time we are tackling Freddy versus Jason. Freddy versus Jason. I got nothing. Whatever. I'm drunk already. Whatever. Let's play a promo and start the goddamn show. Buckle in, kids. It's going to be a long fucking night. One dark and stormy night in the mid-80s, Joe Bob Briggs, Harlan Ellison, and the ghost of El Santo pulled a train on Elvira while Siskel and Ebert sobbingly masturbated in the corner. From that union arose the greatest movie critic and luchador that ever lived. But we're not going to talk about him. He's kind of a dick. Instead, we're going to talk about me, El Goro, the stuttering movie fan and host of the Talk Without Rhythm podcast. Every week on Talk Without Rhythm, I discuss two to three movies tangentially tied together by a theme. I cover action. And the most complete fighter in the world. Sci-fi. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Horror. Oh, no tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. And the continuing adventures of James Spader, sexual deviant. You're not worried that I'm going to fuck you, are you? I'm not interested in that, and I'm released. Now pull up your skirt. So check me out at TWORpodcast.blogspot.com, drunkenzombie.com, or subscribe on iTunes. Talk Without Rhythm, the only podcast that will not attract the world. Adios. Okay, welcome back, everybody. It's wonderful to be here with you again. And, and for those of you who aren't... Okay, let me try that again. Okay, welcome back, everybody. And for those of you who are new, an especially huge welcome and an apology because the show's normally not like this. I normally don't drink when I podcast, but I'm doing it today because it's my goddamn birthday week. And my birthday falls on Mother's Day this year. So this is the year when everybody's busy for everything all goddamn weekend. I'm sorry, I can't have to go home to Duluth, Minnesota and go see my mom. Fuck you! But you can't argue with mom. I can say fuck you to your mom, but you know, well, whatever. And it's not even my birthday yet. It's Thursday night, which means it's Cinco de Mayo. So happy birthday, Mexico. Happy Mexican independence. I was not drinking margaritas like your average white person is today. I was out drinking, doing other things. And, and, and here we are. But I'm anticipating this whole weekend of complete bullshit. Actually, it's not that bullshit. My niece and a bunch of friends and I are going to do one of those escape the room things, those live escape the room things, on a, tomorrow night. So that should be exciting. We'll get details about that next time. And I'm going to see Disaster again. 
on Sunday, Disaster the Musical, because they announced, yeah, it was supposed to close in June, but they were like, oh, hey, we're going to give you a whole bunch of Tony nominations and tell you that you have to close on Sunday, the same goddamn day. So fuck you, universe. Fuck you. You're shutting down my disco inferno. Fuck you. Literally, it was a disco and it was on fire. So it was a disco inferno. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, listen to last week's show. And I tell you to go buy tickets. You know, it's too late. It's too late. You had your chance and you ruined it. You blowed it all sky high. Telling me a lie. You know, we, we covered that already. We covered that already. So what else has been going on in Scream Queen's headquarters besides me bitching about my age? Okay, kids, let me just... Okay, here's the thing. I was up at the dentist this week and they gave me a new night guard because I'm a teeth grinder. Yeah, I am. And it's weird because it's two-tone. Yeah, Half of it is yellow. One, the, like the left side is yellow, and the right side is black. And when I put it in, it's like bam, instant hillbilly. I could not feel. I mean, you never feel sexy when you have a night guard in, but this is like the absolute worst. And so the realization hit me that here I am. I'm about to be a 46-year-old single gay man who lives alone with his overweight fucking cat and sleeps with a two-tone night guard that makes him look like a hillbilly and a CPAP machine. Love me. Love me. I'm going to die alone. Yeah, and you know, Smoochie's here, and she's being terrible because I'm not letting her eat because Smoochie's been on a diet. I've been buying her prescription food since February, and she had her first weigh-in at the vet since then, and she put on two pounds. I can't win. So, you know, here we are. So I'm not feeding her as often, and she's just hating life and she's determined to eat all of the cords you know cats love podcasting but she hates me right now more than she loves podcasting so that's just the way shit's going today okay what else has been going on in scream queen's headquarters okay a couple weeks ago i got tickets a ticket to a gay stand-up comedy night called gay larius and I got my tickets to this thing called the Men Event, and they do gay mixers, like, and for singles and stuff like that. You know, they do this. They do fun scavenger hunts the various museums. They do speed dating. They do, like, mystery nights. They do all kinds of crazy things. Great ways for people to mix and mingle. So I'm like, great. I'm a single guy. Now I'll go to this, this gay comedy night. It'll be fun. And I go, and they sent me with the lesbians. I'm like, I'm with the event over there. They're like, no, sit with these lesbians. And you know what? I love my lesbo sisters to death, but not tonight. And Because they had no time for me. Like, they wouldn't even talk to me. Nothing. Nothing. And what made it worse, what made it really painful, I don't even understand why they built this as a gay stand-up comedy night because four out of the six comedians were straight and didn't really adapt their stuff for the crowd, so they just told the normal thing. I'm like, listen, bitch, I don't care about your fucking bachelorette party. I don't care, because you know what? Gays hate bachelorette parties. Yeah, gays, you know what I'm talking about. Straight people, here's the thing. What happens at a bachelorette party? All the time, you get bachelorette parties crashing into gay clubs or bars or whatever, taking over and treating us like we're a fucking sideshow. Like, we're supposed to, you know, oh, my gosh, it's like we're on a Bravo show, and you're all my best friends, and you have to adore me, and whatever. No, fuck you. 
I'm trying to hook up. I'm just trying to socialize and detox. I don't want to be a part of you or your fucking penis tiara. That is not even count as a tiara. No. Penis tiaras? No. I can pull it off. You can't pull it off, you bitch. You fucking Long Island bitch. Get the fuck back to Quag, which is the grossest sounding town on Long Island. Quag. It sounds like it sounds like a bodily function. Oh my god, I'm gonna quag. Or we can go quag dancing. <laughs> yes, yeah, so there's the thing. This is the worst part. And like the audience was dead. We were not responsive. And they were getting mad at us for not being responsive. I'm like, we are not responding to your material, straight people. I'm sorry. You're hired for a gay event. At least talk about like gay people or you know, like how it's weird performing for gay people or a different whatever. I just I don't give a shit about you trying to fuck your girlfriend. And like her clitoris is, you can't find it. I don't care. I can't, I can't relate. I'm not relating. I'm not relating. Sorry. Sorry. And here's the thing. This one comedian, he's going on and on. He's like, you know, dating is really hard. And he's going on like it's a straight on. He's like, dating is really hard now because you know, everybody's like got apps now. He's like, all kinds of apps. He's like, okay, Cupid and Tinder and I'm like straight, straight. He's like, and I heard there's gay apps too. There's like Grinder for gays, and and is there a lesbian one? Is there a lesbian app? And I yelled out, Scissor. And you could have heard a pin drop in that room. I got no response. Live comedy is dead. Fuck you. Fuck you, Galerius. That was a great joke. That was a great joke, and it just. Died. It just died on the floor. I know you're all rolling. You're all rolling on the goddamn floor, holding your side, slapping your knees like, Patrick, please stop. I can't breathe. But Scissor was a... F Can you imagine S-I-S-S-C-I-S-R -S -S would be a brilliant app for lesbians. Somebody, somebody get on that, but guess what? I patented it, and if you open it, I'll sue you. And that's just how that's going to happen. Okay, 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 okay. So what else is going on? Okay, I'm watching a movie the other day on YouTube. And it was the movie The Forest that came out last year. And clearly, this is not supposed to be on YouTube right now. But I was watching it anyway. And the thing that was making it amazing, it took me a while to figure out that the aspect ratio of the video was completely off. I'm like, God, it took me, first I'm like, God, it's really weird to introduce your main character and it's just like her lower jaw. But then as the movie went on and like scenes with two people at a table and it would just be their candle in the middle of the table without the people... That are talking about, okay, there's something wrong with the aspect ratio. Now, let me explain something to you. In the film industry, there are different kinds of shots when you're, when you're dealing with a person. You know, there's various kinds of close-up. There is the long shot, which is when you're shooting somebody from far away. There's a full body shot, which is somebody from head to toe. There's three-quarter, which is like from your head to your knees. There's then something called two T's. And that stands for two tits. And that is what it stands for. Everybody knows what it stands for. There's also a kind of commercial called two C's in a K. That's a kind of commercial. It's, it's two cunts in a kitchen. And that is the industry term for it. That's sexism built into the industry. That's not my problem. That's not what we're talking about. But anyway. So there were so many shots in this movie of this poor girl in the movie, in the lead role, trying to act that were two T shots. Which is supposed to be like from your head to your boobs. But it was literally just her two T's. 
Johnny Krug would be like, did it. And I'd be like, I get it, Johnny Krug, and that's great and everything. But I'm like, man, man, the forest is filled with tits. Forest of Tits would be a great movie, by the way. But here's the thing that happened. The movie's not great. And the thing is, after a while, the aspect ratio got so bad that I couldn't figure out what was going on, so I stopped watching it. However, at a certain part, she meets, like, she's having a nightmare, and she sees the ghost of her long-lost sister, who's supposedly dead. And she sees the little girl, like, oh, I'm in a tent. And the girl looks at her, and she did the CGI jaw drop. You know what I'm talking about. It has been the plague of horror movies for a good 10 years now. Like, since The Ring came out, everybody has to have these CGI extended mouths. And The Ring, at least there were dead bodies. They were stationary. But, you know, everybody does the CGI jaw drop now. And I say we as horror fans had to stand up and say, enough is a goddamn enough of the goddamn CGI jaw drops. They're not scary anymore. They weren't really that scary at the time, and now they're just stupid, so just stop. Enough is enough. Stop the insanity. Stop dropping jaws. Really? Really? I like It happened. I'm like, really? Really? What year is this? We're still doing this? Really? Really? And I saw it coming from a mile off. I'm like, I bet they're going to do a jaw drop. Uh, CGI jaw drop. Give me something else. I wouldn't even take like a CGI like mega nostril flare. That would be exciting. That would be different if somebody's nose is just like, Bleh. I don't know if it's as threatening as a jaw drop, but you know what? I don't care. Just, 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 just thrill me. Thrill me. What else is going on? Oh, let's see. I'm just going to go off on YouTube a little bit more because I was watching a Giallo as well. I'm trying to like be more fluent in Gialli. And I watched Seven Deaths in the Cat's Eye because it had cats in it. And I'm a 46-year-old gay man who lives with a fat cat and wears a dental guard and a CPAP machine. And that's where I love me. Love me. Love me. But I was watching it. And it was, it, was, it was fun. It was corny, as they always are, and tacky and sleazy. But then in the last reel, all of a sudden, the sound track, and literally the sound track, the vocal track, switched from English to Italian without warning and never switched back. So I don't know what happened. So between this and the fucked up as uh, aspect ratio on the far- Fuck you, YouTube! How am I supposed to watch and enjoy illegally uploaded videos if you can't get your goddamn shit together? Fuck you! Fuck you! Fuck Mother's Day! <laughs> For fucking on my goddamn birthday! Yeah. Yeah, the thing I want to talk about is that unfortunately, nowadays, my birthday is tied to Tyler Poo. Long-time listeners know that uh, Tyler Poo was my cat. He died last year. And now his death is inexorably, inexorably linked to my birthday. It's just happened too close together. And I'm still not over it. And those of you who follow me on Facebook know I've been trying to... I have little paw prints that the, um, the vet made for us uh, after he died that I've been trying to make it to a little memorial, and it's been a, a tough process process because it's uh, a clunky thing, and this hurts to do. And um, 
Yeah, so my birthday is 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 been tied to a lot of crying. I mean, last year I spent it by myself in the Virgin Islands with no money and being harassed by Darth Vader, who wouldn't let me eat a burrito. But you know what? Go back and listen. Go back and listen to that episode if you don't know what I'm talking about. But yes, yeah, so it's 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 a sad time of year for me, and I miss him very very hard right now. I love Smoochie, but she's not him. She's a problem child. I love her. For her problem child, you know, she had her problems. She's a rescue cat and she was abused. People did horrible things to her and she's got very bad habits as a result that I'm working her through. But she's not my poop. And I'm not crying. I'm not going to lose control on my birthday episode. But I want to tell you something because as I've always said, this is a place for truth. And I'm going to tell you something that I haven't told anybody. I didn't even tell Bradford what happened when he because he was still living here at the time. Uh, after Tyler died, um, about a month later, I started looking for rescue cats. You know, I'd be at the pet store and looking online and seeing people who who were trying to uh, who had a cat that needed rescue. And usually, every time I contacted them, the cat was already gone, and I'd already bonded with the cat through that picture and the description and everything like that. Before my friend Scott uh, said that his cat was in whatever. You already know this story if you've been listening for a while. But it was sometime a few weeks before Smoochie came. Um, I was laying on the couch and I was watching TV and I was not asleep. I was not asleep because I, I know that because I was eating. And all of a sudden I heard this noise. To my left, this little scratchy scratch, scratch, scratch. Like a cat was crawling up the side of the couch. And I figured it was Sebastian, uh, Tyler's brother, who was also gone because he moved in with Bradford. And he won't talk to me when I go over there to see him now. Uh, but that's not the point. But I get it. I abandoned him. I left him. I get it. I get it. But it wasn't Sebastian. It was Tyler. And he hopped up on my chest and looked me into the face. And then he was gone. It was just a couple of seconds. But I saw him. And you can use the psychological excuse that uh, maybe it was my brain trying to process all of this and the guilt I had over his death. You know, maybe had we taken him to the vet, taken him back to the vet sooner, that they would have caught the problem. Or maybe if I had noticed something. If I had followed my gut, but I didn't, uh, then he'd still be here. Or maybe he was saying, it's okay, Patrick. You'll always have me. You can look for another cat. It's okay. Or, you know, my brain telling me that. Or it was him. But I saw my little guy, and, you know, people always say when somebody dies, oh my gosh, what I would give to see him for just, a few seconds, and I had that gift. And if it was my uh, product of my imagination, so be it. But I saw my little boy one, just once after he was gone. And that's why I really want to respect his memory. I have a black box picked out, a little black box frame picked out from Michael's uh, craft store that I'm going to put the paws in. I want to figure out how I can antique them because they're so pale, it's hard to read. You know, give him a little color, but I don't want to ruin it. And I want to put a picture in there. And I have his, his toy rope. 
and his laser toy, and it will be a nice little memorial. And I'm crying more than I wanted to, but... Oh, well, it's my birthday, and I've been drinking, so indulge me. Hey, uh, one last thing. Hold on, I gotta take a sip. That was that was heavy. I'm sorry to take you down that road, but like I said, this is the truth. Zone, no bullshit. Um, as many of you know, I sing with the New York City Game as Choir, and I've been recruited to do something called Showtune Showdown. As I mentioned last time, I'm going to the gala competition in Denver the first week of July. So if you live in Denver, let me know. We can hang out. And apparently this is something they do every year. They invite three different courses, said their best show, Tune Queens. And it's a game show, but also a, like it's, a, it's a, com a combination of Jeopardy and um, American Idol. So you have to perform, but you also have to know all the fucking uh, questions as well but that's not the point right now the point right now is for our opening we're singing this song that's written by laura bonatti broadway star she's currently starring in uh she loves me and is nominated for a tony and it's called i love musicals and i'm going to play it for you now and here's the thing i urge you to go to the itunes store or amazon or wherever you get your music and buy a copy of this single even if you don't like it because all proceeds go to, uh, what is it, Keep the Music Alive, the charity that's all about keeping music education in public schools. So I'm going to leave you with that. And then we're going to go, go and talk about Green Room, and I'll probably be sober for that, so you can all rest a little bit easy. I know, Smoochie, I'm crying snot all over your head. No, you can't eat it because you're on a diet and you're fat. She's really fat, 25 pounds. Come on now. I wish I were cool. I wish I were rock and roll. I wish I were Jewel. Or Alanis Morissette. Maybe I should learn to play guitar. But I'm too busy listening to my
welcome to my nightmare. We're not safe awake or asleep. Why won't you die? For those of you who are new to the show, you must know this. I am very, very old. Uh, wise. Wise. I'm wise. Well, I'm old enough to have seen the entire Friday the 13th franchise, every single one of them, in the theater during their first runs, even though I was way too young to be seeing them at the time. Some of them. But since every other horror podcast has talked all of these movies quite to death, I have my own unique spin on things, talking not just about the movies, but what went on when I first saw it, the impact it had, and things like that. And it's my own little special kind of party. Now, every time a Friday the 13th pops up on the actual calendar, like the date, the actual date, I talk about the next movie in succession in the series. And right now, we are up to Freddy vs. Jason from 2003. And I call this particular segment my unique take on this legendary series, the Friday the 13th Spectacular! Now I know all you new people are like, what the fuck was that? What did that have to do with Friday the 13th? Well, I'll tell you what. It's my spectacular, and if I want to play Swahili Christmas music as sung by a Mormon men's choir, then goddammit, I've got to do it. And I did it. So there you go. Just like to keep you kids off guard. Now we already listened to the trailer. Now, of course, this movie directed by Ronnie Yu, is the one that we were all waiting for. It went through so many drafts and so many failed productions and never getting greenlit completely that when it finally came out, people lost their fucking minds. And I have to say that after the last few, I was really not all that excited to go. Well, of course I was going. I have an obligation to go. I've committed to the series so far. I sat through some of the worst things, paid cash money to sit there in a movie theater and be like, what are you doing? And I figure, how bad can it actually be? Well, I'll tell you how bad it could be. Not bad at all. Not bad at all. And I have to say, these, these later ones, once it, the series moved over to New Line, and drop the Friday the 13th moniker and just were going with Jason-based titles. These I don't like as much. Even though this one's fun, I don't like it as much as the original sets, even the bad ones. So I haven't seen these as frequently. I think most of them I saw in the theater, at home, when it came out on rental, and then just before the show, and that's it. And this one in particular, a lot of it had faded. A lot of it had faded. And I did remember, I had a great time in the movie theater when I saw it. I found it very entertaining. And there's a story about that, which I'll get to eventually. 
But when I watched it on video at home, I was really bored. I'm like, God, this is so talky. And the plot is so convoluted. And why are they keep explaining these horror icons to me like I've never seen these movies before? I get the concept of Freddy Krueger. And you have not explained the concept of Freddy Krueger to me once, but maybe five, six, seven times. I get it. I've been here. If I'm sitting here with Freddy versus Jason, you might want to just trust that I know what I'm in for. And if I don't, fuck you, I'll catch up. But I don't have to catch up. I'm mayonnaise. What? That didn't even make sense. I don't know what I'm talking about. But, yeah. So I was not in a big hurry to talk about this one. I wasn't looking forward to this with any particular amount of joy or excitement. But I had to say, I watched it by myself the night before my birthday, and I had a really good time. Sure, it's stupid. Sure, it's unnecessarily complicated. Sure, there's all these boggy down scenes, but at the core of it is something really fun. And maybe it doesn't, it's not purist. It doesn't go, you know, it doesn't really stay true to either series origin stories, but it doesn't bother me for some reason. Had this been a straight up Nightmare on Elm Street film, or a Friday the 13th film. I might be a little more nitpicky, but by putting them together, you've put this whole comic book feel around the whole thing. You know, almost kind of like one of those novels that people wrote. I know, I guess it's fan fiction now, but you know, there was this, those side Friday the 13th novels that were published, you know, with him like stalking, you know, kids at Jesus camp and stuff like that. Yeah, it kind of feels like that. Like other people continuing the story and making it their own, but you know, it doesn't really affect the others in the, in, the, in, the, in the franchise. I just ran out of steam. I don't even know what I'm going to say. But, yeah, so all this nonsense and craziness didn't bother me this time around at all. Now, I had to say, for the first few minutes, I was being super, super nitpicky because I was completely anticipating not to be entertained. So the credits are rolling. Freddy versus Jason, splat. Da-da-da-da, splat. Ronnie, you go, splat. And... And there's the scene with Freddy talking directly to the camera. Now, this is a problem I have with this movie. It's not just Freddy talking to the camera. Other, way too many characters are delivering lengthy monologues with nobody else around directly into the camera. I'm like, what, what is with the soliloquies in this movie? We're having, we're having our inner monologue outside. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. What should I do? What was his name? I can't think of his name. Ah, what could his name have possibly been? I think it might have been... Freddy, you didn't need to say all of that. You could have just, you know, there's a whole thing in acting called Show Me, Don't Tell Me. And this movie did a lot of telling. But again, I don't mind. It's perfectly fine. I guess we had to explain Freddy through these uh, as often as they did to whoever millions of audiences and people they're fine then they need to have they don't understand inner monologues either so fine we'll have soliloquies and soliloquizing all over the place and if anybody starts bursting into iambic pentameter i well actually i wouldn't go home then i would be like that is yes 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 queen yes i'm just going to talk about stuff i didn't like up front so i could just front load it with the bad stuff so i could just have fun what i didn't really like in this there there are things where they throw tropes from the original movie in, and it feels really awkward. Like the nudity. Like right off the bat, in this, you know, fantasy sequence, 
we have the girl running by the dog. Like, Ooh, I'm being chased by my boyfriend, who's not anywhere, presumably dead, but it would have been nice to find the body. But it was just weird to have her being this excited and, you know, tits bouncing out everywhere. And it was this nice, sweet-looking girl-next-door type, and then she had these enormous rock-hard tits. I'm like, this is, this is weird. This is weird. I'm not, and it just felt really forced, and I didn't really, I mean, I'm all for tits. I don't care. The gay man loves his tits in his horror movies. They're especially important. And, this, but, you know, make it work. Don't just... God. But then again, when uh, Catherine Isabel from... I can't believe I'm blanking on the movie. Ginger Snaps was taking her shower. I'm like, why are we, get, why are we getting top tits? Why are we getting top titty? What is this about? I've heard of side boob and under boob, but we're just getting top titty? I want full titty. That's her. You might as well. She's a gorgeous woman. Show me her tits. The gay man wants to see your tits. And also, you know, when people were doing drugs, like, we it wasn't just like, it's like, oh, it's like, things were just presented like they had to be. Like a checklist. Like, oh, I'm naked because we have to have somebody naked in this movie. No, we're doing drugs because we need to have somebody doing drugs. And it fell forced and it's weird. But to be perfectly honest, I think that's about it that I didn't like about this movie. This time around, there was something magical. When you hear the Elm Street theme for the first... When the camera's panning down Elm Street and zooming in on Nancy... Not Nancy. What is her name? Lori. Lori's house. And the theme is playing. I said, I got goosebumps. I'm in for a good ride. I'm up for a good ride now. Did I get one? Yes, I did. And that's great. And one of the things that really helped this movie for me this time around was the group of friends. Yeah, the acting is over the top. Yeah, the dialogue's ridiculous. However, underneath that, these actors were strong enough to make a nice bond between them. I got that they were friends. They felt like they were friends. You know, in five years... Five years down the line, they all would have hated each other and been complete bitches to each other, and the goal would be to hate all the characters in the movie, but I didn't hate these characters. There was one character who was an asshole, but he died right away. So yay, hooray for that, and that was really kind of an awesome kill. Oh, that was the other thing I don't like about this movie. I am very disappointed. I did not remember that this was all CGI gore. Oh my gosh, it probably seemed like a great idea. I get it. It was 2003 or four, whatever the hell it was. Everybody was doing it. Why the hell not? But it was not good at the time. As soon as, like, uh, what's her name from Destiny's Child got her nose ripped off? I remember, oh God, that looked just as bad back then as it does now. The other thing I want to mention, Monica Keener, who plays Lori, has an amazing Rack. I've seen her in other movies, and I have not noticed what an incredible set of gazongas this girl has. But I guess because it's a Friday the 13th slash, well, whatever, it's a horror movie. Tits got to be front and center, pushed up. There we go. And they were, and hey, how you doing, Lori? Looking good. But of all the characters, my favorite is Linderman. I loved Linderman. I could have watched a whole movie about Linderman. I wanted to take Linderman home and keep him for myself. I'm like, you leave those nasty girls alone. They don't appreciate you, Linderman. I'll show you what love really is. And it's sweaty and kind of musky and you might get hair in your mouth. 
Well, I guess you can get hair in your mouth from girls, too. But, you know, maybe not these days. Maybe not these days. Everybody going all Brazilian and shit. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? What does that have to do with anything? Nothing. Nothing at all. And I forgot Zach Ward was in it. Zach Ward played the, uh, the brother, uh, the dead brother of one of the guys. And I remember him giving an interview before the movie came out talking about how oh, it was a really hard, it was like two days that he spent shooting that scene and he was in the tub the whole time and then I had to walk around naked and it was cold because I was completely naked and I didn't do the cock sock or anything, which is a thing you do in Hollywood to cover your junk, okay? And that is what it's called. It is called a cock sock, okay? So don't be yelling at me that I made something up because I didn't. So I was all excited to see Zach Ward naked and then it didn't happen. It didn't happen. No, we get plastic boobs at the beginning and not even half an ass cheek in this one. And I was like, not even a nip, really. I'm like, come on. Because I got to say, Zach Ward, there's no way, there's no way that the kid who played the bully with green teeth at A Christmas Carol should grow up and be this hot. It's not fair. It's not fair, Zach Ward. Especially if you're not going to show me your dick in a movie or, or, or at least anything. Whatever, but it's fine. Um, I, I, terrible. I didn't write down the kid's name or the actor's name. He was Jason Ritter's friend. And this is the other thing I want to say. that In the post-Scream era, when all of a sudden every horror movie had to be cast with you know people from WB shows, and these are all recognizable faces... They work together really well as an ensemble, which a lot of these other movies don't. Everyone's kind of selling their own product on the side, or maybe they're just in one scene and they never mix and mingle with anybody else. But everybody works as a nice ensemble, which I liked here. But uh, whoever this kid was had a face that just said tragedy. It just looked like somebody shot his dog from square one. Just like whatever bad things in the world were happening were happening to him right now and that really worked in this movie because i felt bad when he died and and I, I, that was the other thing i felt bad when people died in this movie i felt bad when Catherine isabel died spoiler and it's one of the better scenes and i had this feeling when i watched it the other night and I remember had the exact same reaction to it when i saw it in the movie theater was when the scene at the rave where jason shows up and he's on fire with his flaming machete and he's hacking his way through the crowd that I had goosebumps because it was an incredible visual and not CGI. It looked great. It was really scary and it made me very happy. And of course, it was reminiscent of the Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Of the rivalry between the two, I wasn't really feeling it. It kind of seemed forced and contrived, but you know, it doesn't care. Just get to the fighting. Get to the fighting. That's what we're here for. Get to the fighting. Kill all these kids except Linderman. Keep Linderman for me. And get to the fighting. And the fighting is absolutely worth it because that's when it doesn't even become a comic book anymore. It's a complete video game and it's ridiculous and over the top and absolute silly, silly, silly fun. There's lots of silly little touches in here as well. Like we all know, we all know about Hypnosil, the drug that keeps you from having nightmares. Well, that was introduced in Nightmare 3 and it was in Nightmare 4 and it's been referenced a lot in that series that we know what it is and what it does. What I did like... The pink stuff that they were giving the kids to sedate them was, was called Amobatine. That made me laugh. Yes. <laughs> Immobilize yourself with Amobatine. Amobatine. Because they're teenagers, so you're immobilizing a teen. Amobatine. Words are funny. You're not laughing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just... And she got Frenched by her father. I sh you wouldn't think I would remember that. Poor girl got Frenched by her father. And here I am, 46 years old, but have French... I mean, not that I've been Frenched by my father, but I was like, eh! 
that was nasty. That was nasty. And I know I'm all over the place here. But this is proving a hard one for me to talk about because I don't have a connection to it like I do with the other ones. Even the bad ones, I just don't connect with this one just because I guess because it doesn't feel to me like it's from the series. Even though it's fun and completely entertaining and was perfect to see with a rowdy crowd. Eh. I don't really consider it either a Friday the 13th. Friday, I don't consider it a Friday the 13th or a Nightmare on Elm Street either too. I don't know what the hell happened there. All of a sudden I'm Irish. And I realized this being sarcastic me. At the, well, not, not, not sarcastic, but cynical me. I realized walking in, I'm like... Neither one of them are going to win. Because it doesn't make financial sense to have one of them win, especially since New Line owns both of the products. If you have one of them win, it might severely damage that particular film, you know, franchise. And there might not be another one. Turns out there weren't any other ones, but that's not the point right now. And the only really, really major thing that truly gets me angry. Yes, yes, all these long scenes with the nonsense with putting the kids in the asylum and nobody remembers what happened four years ago in Springwood. Four years is not that long, especially since these kids are all like seniors in high school. You should remember all this shit happening, but okay, fine, whatever, whatever details, get to the story, get to everything, I don't care. The thing that got me was that Jason is now afraid of water. That was just sinful to me. Because how many times does he kill people in water? How many times has he jumped somebody in the shower? How many times has he been stomping through pouring rain? And now, was, now that there's a little wall of water pouring in front of him. He's like, oh, I'm afraid to go through. I'm so scared I turned into a little boy. No, shut up. Shut up. I mean, I get it. It makes a nice polar opposite that they both have Achilles healed, but neither one of them worked. But you know what? Get to the fighting. Just hit each other and stab each other because that really was absolutely worth it. The whole concept of a final girl just drops out completely because at that point, she ain't necessary anymore. She's like, bitch, I am done. My job is done. Now, you would think my job would be about done because I've kind of babbled my way through this movie and I'm not proud of what I've done here today. But I did want to address something because I know a lot of people take issue to the scene with Kelly Rowland, that's her name, when Kelly Rowland calls Freddy Krueger a faggot. She says, what kind of faggot was a red and green Christmas sweater? And then insinuates that he's got a small penis and he's making up for it with his glasses. A lot of people took issue that she said the F word and for some reason hold her personally responsible for that. I'm like, actually, she's an actress. She's got a contract. You got to do what they say. You might fight it, but they might also say, we'll fire you. So I don't know. She so could stick to your guns and get fired or you say the thing. But I'm, in my mind, it didn't bother me then and it didn't bother me now because for me, it was perfectly justified. And it was doubly justified. Because I was like, she's fighting for her life. You're going to go and belittle the man. She's going she's gonna to try to show that she's not afraid of him by belittling him and taking away his masculinity. Fine. She had a course of action. Maybe defended some people. Okay. That's fine. But nobody seems to have a problem that, <laughs> that Freddie just said to her in the line before, how sweet dark meat. 
he just called her out by her race. And, you know, I think that, oh, you, you, can, you can drop an F-bomb for that. You're, you're allowed an F-bomb, Miss Thing. I didn't mind. I didn't mind. I didn't mind at all because I wound up liking you. I didn't like you at first. You know, the whole nose job thing was forced. It's one of the things I never liked in the later Nightmare on Elm Streets when, was when the characters would have one big character trope. Oh, I have asthma. I don't like bugs. I like comic books. And then you knew, oh, well, they're going to die from asthma. Oh, they're going to die by bugs. They're going to die by comic books. It was just, yeah, mm -hmm. okay, whatever. So once I was glad they dropped the whole nose job distance. And then she was a really good friend. She had a change of heart throughout the course of the movie. She had a, a nice little unspoken love affair with Linderman, which, I mean, how could you not? He was adorable, and he died for you. He died saving you, you bitch. But yeah, I did not mind. I had no problem with that F-bomb. So what happened when I saw Freddy vs. Jason in the theater? Well, it wasn't so much what happened when I saw it. It's what happened before I saw it. At the time, I was taking, I was living on Long Island with my parents still. I had just finished a tour of something or other, and I found I was going right out again in another three months, so getting housing wasn't worth it. So I just stayed at home. Uh, with my folks and I was taking a bartending class in Midtown Manhattan and this particular day uh, we were taking uh, we were taking prep te uh, prep tests for our final exam you know practicing mixing drinks and you know finding out the kind of questions they were going to ask and I was talking with one of the the, the teachers and uh, the instructors and he was saying yeah I want to see that and I'm like you know I kind of want to see. I feel obligated to see it. And he's like, I feel obligated to see it too. I was like, you want to go with me? And he said, yeah, let's go tonight after class. I said, great. And we had a break. And I went outside to get something to eat. And I came back up in the elevator. And as soon as I stepped off the elevator, the power went out. And it never came back on. Because that was the day uh, that the East Coast went black. And the thing that is especially lucky about that particular thing is that I had just gotten out of the elevator. There are people from my class that were stuck in that elevator for eight hours. And I had got out of the elevator to go poop. So whatever divine spirits were looking over me that day, thank you for not having me have to poop in the elevator in front of my classmates. Now, we didn't know what went on. We just knew that the power was out. And we said, okay, we'll wait. We can't really do anything because um, you know, we needed blenders and stuff. And it, the, the room was dark. There weren't any windows in this particular classroom. And we're waiting and we're waiting and the lights aren't coming back on. And nobody's cell phone had any service. You know, it was 45 minutes to an hour. And now I'm starting to get worried because this is also post 9-11 New York. It was only been two years previous. And I started to get worried that something had happened. Also, the first time I got to see a Broadway show, my parents took me to see The King and I in the 70s. And I'm not going to tell you the whole story because you've heard it before. And the show had just started when it was the great blackout of 1977 or whatever the fucking year it was. And again, the entire East Coast was out for three days. The thing was, they kept us inside the theater for as long as they legally could. Like, we, they... Uh, Union real estate, everybody has to be out by 11 o'clock. So they kept us till 11 o'clock because that's what the police advised them to do. Just keep people off the streets. Keep them inside. So the orchestra was playing 
whatever ballroom music people were dancing in the aisles and people from the show were coming out and singing with flashlights and candles uh, you know, just standards, and it was a nice night, but then eventually they had to let us go, and we walked out into a fucking war zone because this was Manhattan and Times Square of the 1970s. Gritty, grungy, grindhousey, pimp, hooker, criminal-infested, dangerous on a good day. And now the lights are out, so there was looting everywhere, there were cars on fire, and it was like that the whole way home. And I remembered that. And I said to myself, Patrick, you do not want to be on this island when the sun goes down. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to make my way back home. I had parked my car in Queens. Actually, I parked my car where I live now. What? This is the, like, the street I, I live on right now is where I used to park my car because there was no alternate side of the street parking and it was always free and there was always a spot. Not the point right now. So I said, I'm going to have to walk across the bridge to get home. So I'm thinking, okay, that's a 20-block walk that way. and then, But then right after the bridge, I can get, get off and go home. But the bridge was closed. So I said, okay, I'm going to have to walk all the way down to the Manhattan Bridge, which is all the way downtown. So we're talking another good... 70 blocks on a blazing August afternoon and the amount of foot traffic getting over the bridge was immense it was this slow horrible march and it was so hot and everybody's not me but everybody's in business clothes and people were fainting everywhere and what I saw was cool because not that people were fainting no 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 but what was cool was that I suddenly realized this whole experience up until this point is the complete opposite of what happened back in the 70s. And maybe that was because of you know the towers coming down. And we were still very, very bruised from that. And we had come together as a city then and we were coming together as a city now. People were coming out of, you know, businesses were shutting down and just bringing out cold drinks, just, you know, throwing bottles of water and just ice cubes. And when people fell, other people would pick them up and carry them. It was, it was kind of amazing. Hotter than hell because of the blacktop. And I remember getting off of that bridge and just thinking that I'm going to die. And I saw a guy setting up a water stand. And then he put up a sign. Cold bottles of water, $20. And apparently the rest of the crowd saw it at the same time because they descended upon him. And it was the only it wasn't violence, but they shamed him into shutting his shit down. Anyway, then I had to walk all the way across Brooklyn. I didn't really know where I was going to get to my car. And once I got to my car, it was a fine drive home because all the bridges and tunnels were closed. So I got home and zippy zap. Not a problem. But I didn't get to see the movie that night. And the power didn't come on the next day. And it didn't come on the next day. But when it did come on on Monday, the first thing I did was to run and go see a matinee of Freddy vs. Jason. I did not get to go see it with the bartender, but I got to see it by myself, and everybody was just so happy to have air conditioning <laughs> and to be seeing um, entertainment published, you know, uh, produced by electricity, that there was an excitement that was already built in, and I think that helped the whole movie-going experience. So that is my story 
of Freddy versus Jason. Most of it had nothing to do with the movie, but it's what I associate with the film. And I hope you enjoyed this spectacular, because if you didn't, you could suck my balls. Suck my balls. It's my birthday. Suck my left one. Suck my right one. Suck the one in the front. Suck the one in the back. Yes, I have four balls. What? What? (laughs) The only thing that I want to share about the movie that, you know, they say that hate, the emotion of hate, is just love that has gone wrong. You know, it's somebody that you want to love who hurt you or never respected you or whatever. Whatever, it's the opposite of love, but it's also the absence of it. Like, you can't have... Anyway, you kind of have to love the person that you hate in some way, shape, or form, or the fact that you couldn't love them. So, the fact that Freddie and Jason hate each other and are fighting this much, I just wanted them to sing a love song at one point, you know, just to have them look deeply into each other's eyes and the music swells. And Freddie opens up his mouth and shows his brown teeth and says, No one in the world ever had a love as sweet as my love. For nowhere in the world could there be a boy as true as you love. And then Jason takes off the mask and says, All my love, I because it's too wet, it has to be wet. And this week, then, and food. You give gladly to me. Tell me why, then. Why should it be that we go on hurting each other? We go on hurting each other, making each other cry, hurting each other without ever knowing. And then they get married. The end. Freddie marries Jason.
Hey, Patrick, I'm so glad you're back in action. Me too. Uh, Screen Queens is definitely my favorite horror podcast. I just wanted to suggest a movie I recently watched called Dead End. It's got Lynn Shea and the father from Twin Peaks in it. Love her. And it's on Amazon, instant streaming, so give it a watch. I thought it was pretty good. It's from 2003, and uh, Lynn Shea kicks ass in it, so great. Hope you give it a look, and thanks for being back. Bye. Okay, I've got a few things that I need to say to you, young lady. First and foremost, Lynn Shay kicks ass in everything. It's what she does. Perhaps it's all she does. I think she's perhaps my favorite character actress that's out there right now and has been for a long time, mostly because she's fearless. You know, if you see her in a comedy or a horror movie or whatever she's doing, she is always 100% fully committed. And if that means making a jackass of herself, she embraces that and then goes the extra mile. Love her to pieces. And Ray, 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 I just blanked at his name. Oh, gosh. Yeah, the father from Dead End who is also in Reaper. Learn to love him, too. Used to hate him back in the day. Thought he was a smarmy piece of shit, but now he's really embraced the horror community and being a fun smarmy piece of shit instead of a gross smarmy piece of shit. And yes, Dead End is a fun movie. Flawed, but nice sense of claustrophobia. And great performances from the two leads. Okay, you got the sun going off to whack off in the woods and there's people dying left and right, but I, I hey, you gotta do what you gotta do to unwind. But excellent suggestion. Excellent suggestion. The other thing I have to say to you is thank you for calling in. Thirdly, you didn't leave your name, young lady. You did not leave your name. So fourthly, how am I supposed to play the first time caller? I had to track you down. I had to text your ass and find out that this is Chelsea. Hi, Chelsea. Thank you for calling in. Thank you for joining us on the birthday show. Thank you for the recommendation. And thank you for being a listener and a friend. Patrick, it's Michael. All the way out in California, the one that hates everything. Oh, you get vault. Hi, Michael. Listen, I am so sad. I wept. I wept with joy. First of all, there was a new podcast. I was so excited. You made me so happy. Aww. I could hear your dulcet voice again. I wept. But listen, I'm crying. I'm crying that Lost After Dark couldn't have been a good retro 80s film. I know, right? I just, uh, uh, my heart sank. It fell into the dismal abyss. I don't have any more analogies. I'm I'm running out of stuff. But listen, Freddy vs. Jason, I'm excited. I actually liked Freddy vs. Jason in the theater. In the theater. I haven't seen it in a long time. I don't know. Maybe it's good, maybe it's not. I can't remember. I just remember liking it in the theater for certain aspects, and now I don't even remember what those are. But while I got Wait, you on the line... Good call. While I've got you on the line, yes. if you haven't seen Krampus yet, I would love to hear your opinion on Krampus. I Krampus, not. I thought, was brilliant and wonderful and hilarious. I think you'll like it. I would love to talk to you about Krampus. I had a Krampus in my leg, but it's all gone. Oh, oh my God! Oh, I hate fun. you. I ha- cut, get off my yeah. phone. Yeah, yeah, I kind of went there. I'm sorry about that. Listen, I'm so glad you're back on the air. I'm so glad that you're feeling better. Me too. I'm so hoping to hear something wonderful about Freddy versus Jason. Who's gonna win? Who knows? Who cares? Franchises are both dead. What do I know? Mm. Anyway. 
Thanks again for all the wonderful podcasts. I will call you again with something I truly hate, like Krampus. Although I loved Krampus. So I guess it's not really something I hated. Ah, my beloved Michael, the man who should have been named Nancy because he's so negative. But thank you for calling in, although I am surprised and rather disheartened that you ran out of metaphors for misery and heartbreak. Normally, that's what you wallow in. It's your speciality. It's what you do. It's all you do. I'm using that a lot this show. All she does, all she just, and all that she wants is another baby. What's happening? What's happening? Well, I've already talked about Freddy versus Jason. So you already know what I thought about it and what I thought about it. The theater experience versus the home experience. So why am I still talking about it? I don't know because I just want to talk, talk, talk. All I do with you is talk, 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 talk. All I do with you is talk, talk. Krampus, I have not seen it yet. It was on my list and it uh, it just never happened. You know how the holiday season is. It's just filled with so much mirth and merriment that I just hide under my bed until it all goes away. Come on, it's New York City. We're all supposed to be depressed and bitchy and angry at tourists. None of this Yulish bullshit. Thank you. And yeah, I will probably cover that some when some point when it's not, you know, summer. Almost. Okay, Michael, thank you for calling in and just 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 chin up, little camper. It'll get better. And if not, you'll be dead someday. Okay, bye. The next call is from listener Jeff in California. Now, he called in three times. And I love you, Jeff, but that's just entirely too much. The first call got cut off in a minute, and he really just got time to introduce himself. And and rather than dig out the buzzer sound effect, which I don't have because I'm still working on this crappy laptop and don't have access to my materials, goddammit, I'm just going to leave the first call off and pick up the second call which is kind of sort of already in progress, but not really because he had just started talking about Freddy versus Jason. So imagine, if you will, this coming right off the sound of for going overtime. Hey, Patrick, it's Jeff from California again. Apparently I got cut off. So real quick, uh, Freddy versus Jason, 2004. I remember going to the theater to see it by myself, and I loved it. Like I said, it was an epic uh, crossover, finally, of... Two of my favorite horror franchises put together. You got the smart ass of Freddy and you got Teen Slaughtering Jason. It was just pretty amazing. Okay. Pretty amazing. Yes. And sorry, I just got a text for something. Oh, I thought maybe you got a bummer. I was starting to talk about the movie. So hopefully this gets for in. Clem. I loved it. It was, I mean, the effects, I mean, now look a little bad, but 2004 effects were great. And to finally see these two come together in something that was just fun, while it may not be the greatest script ever, it may have a lot of cheesy lines, Yeah, it was fun. That's exactly what I wanted. I had a grin on my face the entire time I watched that movie, and that's my two cents. Keep doing what you're doing, Patrick, and I'm going to keep on listening, all right? Talk to you later. Okay, Jeff, thank you for the call. Great call. Love it. I kiss it. I squeeze it. All that stuff. But I agree with everything you say, so I have nothing to add, and you have another call, so let's do that. Hey, Patrick, it's Jeff in California again. Oh, uh, hi. Sorry to leave so many messages, but uh-huh. uh, I Not realized hard. I what? forgot to mention I saw a couple other movies, just real quick. Yes. Uh, I got to see Ex Machina yes. uh, on Amazon, and I'm... Not going to spoil anything, not really going to go into a review, but I enjoyed it. My girlfriend enjoyed it. 
We thought it was really well done. Uh, just wondering if you had seen it. I got yeah. to check out The Revenant at a discount theater, which was a horrible experience. But the movie was good, so that's a plus. And one that I finally got to finish watching, because I had only seen bits and pieces trying to get through it before. The classic The Stuff. Oh, uh, it's fun, but it's oof. it's really ridiculous. Oof. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh, I'm wondering if you happen to know if you get the El Rey network where you're located, if you have cable or satellite or whatever. Because they've been playing a lot of horror movies lately, and I guess they do it all the time. Like, today they have all the Toxic Avenger movies playing. So, if you have a chance, check it out. All right, later. Jeff, Ex Machina was the tits. It was the tits and the clits. That was a great movie. I saw it in the theaters, pretty much cold. Had no idea what I was getting myself into. And just loved it. Just great sense of dread from the moment that it starts to the moment that it ends. And also, hey, a fully choreographed disco number with a half-naked bear. What? What's not to love? Great stuff. Good suggestion. Not great stuff. The stuff. I... I saw it back in the day. Didn't like it then. I tried to get through it as an adult. It's just like, I, I, I can't. I see what you're doing. I get the message. I see the satire. I see everything. And I just am bored. And maybe if it didn't look like yogurt or, you know, semen, I would have. Well, actually, if it looked more like semen, I would have been more interested. What? What? I don't know what's happening. Okay. And, and uh, I cut the cord. Jeff, I don't have cable anymore. So thank you for rubbing in the fact that I will never see the El Rey network. But that's okay. I don't mind. I got enough shit to watch anyway. But thank you for calling. And I'll talk to you soon. Or maybe not. But you'll be listening to me sooner. So I don't know what I'm saying. I think Latasha's on the phone. Hey, Latasha, save me. Thank you. Hey, Patrick, it's Latasha. That intro is hilarious, by the way. Hello, um, gorgeous. I'm calling because I wanted to know if you have seen the trailer for a movie called Life Out. Um, it is produced by James Wan. I love him. I love, love his him. movies, mm -hmm. so I think this is going to be a really good movie. But um, I saw the trailer on Facebook last week, and I noticed right off the bat what it was because I recognized the actress in the beginning of the trailer right. and the scene. This movie is based on a short film, on the short and I film. think mm -hmm. it's from 2013, and that is also on YouTube. Sure thing. Um, so Good if stuff. you want to look it up, it's called Lights Out. The short film is really creepy, and I think that the movie version of it is going to be just as good. Um, and like I said, the lady from the short film is also in the movie, which I think is really cool. And her scene is actually kind of the same setup that's in the short film. So I'm really excited to see it, and I ended up having to go back and watch the short film again after I saw the trailer because well, I got two really minutes out of your life. So yeah, let me know what your thoughts are if you've seen the trailer or if you've seen the short film. I'd like to know what you think and if you're going to go check it out. Anyways, talk to you later. Thanks. Bye. Okay, Latasha, lights out. I have not seen the trailer, but I, I've seen a lot of buzz on the various sites, so I knew it was coming. Uh, to be perfectly honest. Yes, I saw the short film. I love the short film. I think that it's uh, very difficult, you know, in just a couple of minutes' time to set up an entire story that is scary and not just like bleh scary, but filled with suspense and menace and dread. 
that's that's a difficult thing to do in a very short period of time and have it feel complete and total at the end. Well done. I get a little worried when things that are that short are now going to get stretched out to an hour and a half because I don't know. I trust James Wan for the most part. I love his work. Looking at you, Annabelle, you just sit right back down in your playroom and just, just stay there. Nothing to do with you, but if anybody who can do it, he can. And if anything, I'm happy about the for the filmmakers of the original who did this short little thing, you know, for fun and probably expected to get no money for it ever. And wow, they probably got a whole buttload of money being bought out by big Hollywood studios. And we love a good payout, don't we, Latasha? Of course we do. Money, 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 money. No, I'm not singing that because that's the Donald Trump TV show theme song. So... Money, 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 muppet funny. It's a rich man's world that's better because it's Abba and I'm gay. I know I probably just shocked you, Latasha, but you know what? You're married. It was never going to happen. And your husband's better looking than all of us put together anyway. Not you because you're great. Forget it. You know what I mean. Thank you for calling in, Latasha. I love you and adieu. Okay, so that's going to wrap it up for this birthday episode. Now, if you want to be like all these cool people who called in and made the show even cooler than it was going to be anyway, by all means, pick up your telephone device, put your finger in the air, and poke it at your screen or keypad and dial 917-720-2047. Or if you're more old-fashioned and prefer the electronic form of communication, you can write me at crew at screamqueens.com. And of course, that's queens with a Z. You can like me on Facebook. You can go and check out the uh, Scream Queens official horror movie fan page and there's also the screamers page which is more for the hardcore listener who wants to hang out with the others and tell dirty stories about each other and you can find that screamers with z i'm on twitter of course and you're listening already but the show if you want to tell your friends tell them to go find it on the itunes store or on stitcher i'm working on getting things on google play and yeah for my birthday leave me a review on itunes or stitcher because i'm going to start reading them out on the show again. One show every time I do voicemails. I mean, one's one uh, review every time I do voicemails. And that lucky person will be getting a prize. What that is, I'm not going to say it just yet, but you're going to be like, oh my God, I want that too. But you know what you got to do to get it? You got to write some words on a screen about how much you love the show and me. But most of the show. But really more me. Whatever. I don't know what I'm talking about. But you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about the next episode. The next episode. Hopefully, I'll be able to get Robert Arbest and Elena Acker back to talk about the horror spoof. That's not really spoof. Horror comedy, The Slashing, which is available for streaming for free on Amazon Prime if you have that. And some of you have been playing along at home. And I've had some listeners who have written it in like, oh man, I turned it off after the first five minutes because it was so bad. I said, stick with it. The first five minutes are very trauma and then it turns in a whole different direction. And then that person wrote back and was like, motherfucker, you are right. And I said, of course I'm right, motherfucker. I'm always right. But if that's not going to happen, if I can't get the back, we're not going to talk, we'll figure something else out. Because Doug Shapiro and Trey Dean are on deck to come back and do another exciting murder mystery episode probably won't be an Agatha Christie but maybe it will be something like murder by death 
So get ready for that. That might happen. That'll be happening in the next few weeks. Regardless. And, oh, you know what I forgot to mention in the intro because I was drunk and crying? I have two special people that I need to thank. I need to thank Doug Shapiro and who you know has been on the show several times, as well as George Ann Strakosh, my former prom date, who guested on the prom episode and talked about Dance of the Dead with me, for helping me get my apartment straight up because, uh, you know, things were in a horrible state of clutter and they spent a Saturday afternoon cleaning and scrubbing and toting and moving and trashing and drinking and eating macarons because, you know, gay and all that stuff. So, you know, for, for giving up your Sunday, because I know you're both busy people, you, Doug, and you, Georgian, are both the Scream Queens of the Week! What? I'm listening in my headphones right now, and this, so I'm hearing myself, and when I did that, it was a cool little stereo echo thing, and that made me really happy. You're not hearing it, but I'm happy, and that's really all that matters. And you know why I'm really happy? Because I know you, since you both listened to the show, that there's no fucking way in hell you're ever getting a tiara for me. I don't care if you scrub my toilet butt-ass naked with your own butt. I am not giving you a tiara because fuck you, it was my birthday, and fuck you, I made the rules on the show. I love you both, but no, never. So, my beautiful screamers, until next time, continue to make the world a creepier place, and remember, fight or flight, survive the night, just make it through the final reel, baby. Yeah. Bye! Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com. Bitches! <laughs>